Hello, everyone. My name is Justice. I'm with 24-7 Teach, and I'm here with my partner, David. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And yeah, I'm Dave, and this is the Solution to the Education Problem podcast. Wow, great title. So today, this is our first podcast, and we definitely want to introduce ourselves, introduce our organization, and definitely examine what we think are the the most important and challenging issues in education, as well as examine solutions that we propose that could change, modify, and definitely improve the education landscape across the globe. All right? So thank you for being here. And so, Dave, what are we going to talk about first? What's on your mind in terms of education problems? It's a a great question. It's a great question. because so my name is I give you a bit of background. My name is David. I'm the senior vice president of marketing here at Twenty Four Seven Education Group. And it was when I when I first came across the group, I immediately just resonated with what you were trying to fix, with what we were trying to do here. Because obviously, as you can tell by the accent, I'm from the UK. Um, but it sounds to me like the US and the UK have a very similar problem with the education system. Uh, and I was right. I, you know, the more that I've learned and, and you know, with Justice and the rest of the 2417, we've, uh, I've, I've had an insight into the, the education system here in the United States. And it's, it, it, again, there's so many, so many similarities with the UK system. And that's a problem. That's a problem right now because my my biggest problem with the education system. And bearing in mind, you know, I've got friends of mine who are teachers. Uh, you know, so I, I, I'm not totally out of the loop. You know, I you know I know what curriculums are being used and what children are learning. You know, I've got friends of mine who have children as well, so I you know I know what I get what's getting taught at school at quite a high level, um, and. It just feels to me, I was like, well, that's what they were teaching me like 20 years ago. Why hasn't, why why is the school system not changed? Like if we think about everything that's happened in the last 20 years, you know, the internet is obviously the hugest thing, which has blown up massively and all the opportunities that that creates. And yet we're still teaching children to remember things like who the 23rd president of the United States was when they're walking around with a little box in their pocket, which could tell them that in two seconds. So why are we, why are we having, you know, the, the whole system, it's flawed. It's not evolved with the times. It's not evolved with technology for sure. And my biggest problem right now is I think we're not preparing the children for the future that they're going to inherit. Wow. That is definitely... Is that a bit deep to start with? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is, but it's... I'm sure anyone who has a stake in education today can resonate and really feel feel what you're saying. I Mm. know it resonates with me and, and my experiences where I looked at school as just... It was a pathway... It was a pathway to the future, but it wasn't necessarily a pathway to success for me. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I was always told you had to go to school, and and I always knew, and I really don't know how, but I always knew I was going to go to college. But the connection of the value of going to college and the value of getting good grades and the value of really understanding what I was learning 
on that path to college really was not there for me. Hmm. So when you look at taking full advantage of an opportunity, I was not in the right mindset. And really, there was no one around me to really supply that, that mindset to me of, hey, learning is an opportunity. Learning is a blessing. Learning can change your life. And no one was really there to really instill that in me. And it wasn't that my parents weren't necessarily educated or my parents uh, did not value education. It's just the context of education, I think, is completely wrong in society right now. And I think it has been for many, many years. And as you said, David, it just has not shifted. It has not changed with the times. And so with different, with the evolution of different mediums like internet, like TV, there was always a major shift in the way information was delivered. And so there should have been a major shift in what information was delivered and how to prepare for the next generation of, of people and of technology. And so, you know, to really make it plain, I was just sitting in the seat doing what I was told and not doing what I wanted to do, per se, and not really mm-hmm. taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think, again, going back to, you know, it sounds like me and you had very similar experiences. It was like I was going through school and... You know, I remember a girl in my class, fair, fair play to her, she had always wanted to be a veterinarian, uh, and she is now a veterinarian. It's like, well, you know, she she that she did exactly what she always wanted to do. Good for her. But I was the exact opposite. It's like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea. It felt so strange to me that at the age of, well, anywhere between 13 and 16, teachers were asking me what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I was like, you know, I don't even know how to do, you know, I don't know what, you know, how to work out taxes. I don't have to change a wheel on a car and you're telling me how to, you know, what to do for the rest of my life. It seemed very weird, but the only advice that I kept getting at school was, oh, just keep going, keep doing, going to school and doing what you're good at. And that's what led me down the path of doing my degree in history and politics. And I left, I left that the university with my degree and knowing that, I never wanted to work in history or politics. And a bit like, I mean, I, I don't believe in regrets. I, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I did learn a lot about people. But I think for me personally, that, that how my life has, you know, back when I was at school, the job that I did for the majority of my career didn't exist. You know, the internet invented that job whilst I was, whilst I was in university. But whilst I was at school, I couldn't say, oh, yeah, I wanted to work in e-commerce and online marketing. That was not a thing. That's how quickly technology in the world has evolved. But school still, you know, like my sister, she's just recently, a couple of years ago, finished a degree and she did marketing at university. Only She was the first year where, uh, again, two years ago, they had a module on e-business and she was showing me some of the material there and it was super basic. And I'm like, <laughs> people have been running businesses online for 10 years now. You know, it's 15 years, and only now just are we at university level teaching people that this is an option and this is how it works. And she she even said to me after she went, you would do a better job at teaching this class than the person that we've got. 
Um, wow. You know, so it, it's 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 that. It's like I was given, in my in my opinion, pretty poor advice. And you know, rather than getting hands on and trying different things, it was like, no, just keep on sitting down, reading books, doing the subjects that you're best at, and we'll just hope that everything works out in the end. Wow. You know, for me, we definitely share the same, some of the same uh, characteristics and mm. views. The why, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. So, so with me, I, in my junior year of high school, my third year of high school, uh, a friend of mine moved away and, and then came back, but came back with a new skill, and that skill was barbering. Mm. And when he he showed me how to cut hair, it was like, a new world opened up for me. And with that new skill came the determination to become an entrepreneur, the determination to, to open my own barbershop, to become the best barber I could be. And then when I had those aspirations, that's when certain parts of education started to con- really connect with me. So mm-hmm. I remember I was in an economics class and we were thinking about supply and demand. And I'm, I'm thinking about, and I haven't opened up, I haven't opened up my business yet, but I'm thinking and I'm knowing, you know, by this, by this time, let's say five years from now, I'm going to be a business owner and this is where it's going to be. I knew the location. I knew the community that I wanted to have an impact on. And I started to thinking about supply and demand. How many barbershops and beauty salons was in this community and how, how could I make my venture stand out amongst the rest? And, 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 and looking at the amount of clientele that was in the, in the community. And that's how I really gained the understanding of supply and demand. It wasn't what was, it wasn't through the information that was given to me per se in the textbooks or, or even the discussions that we had in the class through the teacher it was more about how I could take that information and integrate it into my plans and what I wanted to do. And I think one of the major problems that education has today is connecting the information and the skills to what's going on in the real world right now. Mm -hmm. Let's make that information, let's make what you're learning practical right now and i think making connecting those dots and ultimately as i said before just making those connections will be a major solution to 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 learners that don't know what they're doing they don't know why they haven't figured out what direction they want to go to and they haven't made the connection to why is this why am i learning why is this information important and what can I really do with it? Right. Mm. So, and I, I can even go back to another story where my second year of college, I was in a, in a great business school at the time. And my professor, I remember I went to see him in his office and you know, I told him I wanted to be an entrepreneur and he, he was like, well, you know, that's great. And here you need to take this class, this class, this class. And we, we start to have a debate. And I said to him, you know, how can you teach me about business and entrepreneurship? Do you own a business? And he said, no. 
so how could you teach me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's secondhand he, information, is it? It's like you, you're yeah. not a primary source here. Yeah, yeah, you've not lived he, it. He got so upset. He got so upset. He, he basically hurts, kicked, eh? he kicked me out of his office. It's like I don't want to see you. And you know, essentially, my idea was, well, why don't we take this class? and go into the community and open up a supermarket, serve the community, and have each one of, of, of the students within the class run this business and get the practical experience as well as make an impact in the community that we were in. And like I said, I mean, he just kicked me out of his office. But that idea was really the, the seed that allowed us to start 24-7 Teach, mm. that right there. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I mean, that, that is, at its heart, that's project-based learning right there. That's exactly what it was, that, that's what you were proposing. Yes, yes, definitely. And yeah. I think I think it was more about the ego. I, I, I touched his ego versus mm-hmm. seeing a, a, a true educational opportunity and, learn, and, and and being able to create a learning experience that, was unique not only to our school but really to all universities at that time. So yeah, no, I, I get learn. it. I get it. sure. I, I think I, I know. I, I know this is another area which we we've spoke about before. It's a it's it's the location and the what's the best it's like how unfair the education system can be. Like literally. If you are born or if you are brought up in the wrong part of town, you're going to have a wild, wildly different education experience to someone who may be born five, ten miles away, but goes to a different school. And, you know, it's, it's just, it, for me, the, the UK is a fantastic example of this because, but again, doing politics, it's something, you know, I can relate to, but I think... Out of every prime minister that we've had in the UK, I think they've all originated from like three schools. You know, Eton is the main one. I think Edinburgh University was, was another one. Uh, I can't remember what the third one is, probably around Cambridge or Oxford somewhere. Um, but it's basically like the connections and, and the power of being around those that, that location or I'm basically having the money to go to, I think they're all private schools. Um, but yeah, it's like if you were brought up anywhere else or going to any other education, you know, institute other than those, your chances of being prime minister are pretty much zero. Uh, I know that's quite an extreme example. You know, there's only one job for prime minister, a bit like being the president, but you know, it's uh, it's just the fairness of the system in terms of, you know, there were some very clever, very intelligent people on my course at university who, who would go on to do brilliant things, I'm sure. But they would just, they'd never get the opportunity. No matter how brilliant they were, they would never get the opportunity. And I think that's Ooh. another, you know, the, the world is so small these days. Like, I'm here in Manchester, England. You're in, are you still in New York, Justice? Yes, I am. Yes, so, you know, we're doing this podcast about three and a half thousand miles away. Um, and it's like we're sat in the same room. Yet, you know, if you're born 10 miles away from a good school and there's a, a, a worse school close to you, that's pretty much the experience you're going to get. Well, why does it have to be that way? The internet makes it so that we it doesn't have to be that way anymore. 
So, David, that that was a that was definitely an excellent point, and that ironically is one of the major reasons why we started this organization. Because when we saw that that te- that type of technology was available and it was not being used, and you see schools that are being challenged because they don't have the right teachers in the building. There's teacher shortages all across the country. It's like, why? It doesn't need to exist, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for sure. Not, but why is it not happening at a large scale? And so, you know, that's where technology can really make a difference in, in education and in, and in classrooms. For me, I was blessed at the time to work with an educational organization and really be able to travel around the U.S. and, and see a lot of, of school districts and see a lot of schools and speak with and build relationships with a lot of teachers across the country. And the one thing that I realized that makes a great education or what makes, what makes uh, let's say, an excellent education available to, to learners is access to a great teacher. It's not about the curriculum. It's not about the the makeup of the classroom. It's not about the technology. It's about having access and having a relationship with a great educator. And Mm -hmm. what I mean mean by a great educator, I mean by someone that is intellectually prepared, someone that can make that connection with the learner and, and show sincerity, where the learner trusts them and is really open to listening and experiencing what they have to offer. Right. And great educators are very hard to find. So what I saw, which was really the main inequality in education, especially in the U S and I'm sure it goes beyond that is it's not about the money that a school district may have. I think that plays a major part into it, but that's not the biggest that's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing is how many great teachers do you have and how many kids can you put in front of them that can get a great educational experience? And I think that's where here in the U.S., that's where we fall down. And I think that's where technology can bridge the gap between the learners that, that live in, in areas where great teachers don't necessarily want to be physically, but they can be there through technology and provide that information and provide that context to the information that's present to the, to those learners to the point where your location, your zip code really doesn't matter. Yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's a viable solution. And the question is why isn't it happening on a on a regular basis? Why is that stuff not being implemented everywhere? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. And it's, uh, I think the answer largely boils down to the fact that the education system right now is, is stagnated. It's, it's not changing. It's not evolving with the times. It's not being proactive in looking at the changes that's going on around right now. Um, you know, it, I know this is, is we should probably do a podcast uh dedicated to the end of jobs because 
I truly believe that the way that technology is going with machine learning, with artificial intelligence and robotics, that within 20 years, a lot of the jobs which schools are right now preparing uh, students for are not going to exist. And that's a problem because that's just going to mean that in 15, 20 years, we're going to have a huge workforce and no jobs. And then what happens? Then what happens? And that's that's the problem. It's like we're, we're not preparing children these days for the future. You know, we're not we're not we're not encouraging them to like learn code or find out more about artificial intelligence or even you know voice activated devices and all this technology stuff. And it's trust me, I get it. If you're not, you know, if if you're not technology minded, that's a, it's a scary prospect future. Um, but the reality is, is like, you know, I've got a, a couple of godchildren who are the age, uh, both, I think one's four, one's five. Um, they can both work iPads and iPhones better than my mother. And they're four and five. You know, the, the reality is children are being brought up now with this technology. They can make Alexa talk. They can, you know, it's normal to them. And they need to be encouraged that this is normal and learn how to use it, but also learn how to deconstruct this and learn what they can do with it. And that's where the future is going to come from. That's where future employment and future, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more self-employed people in the future because there's going to be a lot more developers and a lot more people doing interesting things with code and technology. You know, there's not going to be many, well, taxi drivers in 20 years' time. I'm pretty sure driverless cars and Uber will rule the world. You know, think about grocery shopping. Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be anyone on checkouts or tills anymore? Or is it just going to be all automated? Or even in 20 years, I mean, Amazon don't even have that. They have the Amazon Go store up in Washington. They are, they have ridiculous numbers of cameras which automatically track what you're picking up and putting in your bag. And they charge you. They yeah. charge you as you walk out the door. <laughs> no staff needed. And this is this isn't like wishful thinking. This is technology that is here right now. And schools are just ignoring this. And it's crazy to me. It's like we need to be preparing children that the world that they're in right now is not the one that they're going to be walking into when they leave college or university. So what are we preparing them for? Well, a a scary statistic, and I mean, this is really scary, that we have some technology experts that believe that 40% of the world's jobs in the next 15 years is going to be uh, basically replaced by robots and artificial intelligence. Absolutely, I can believe it. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a little bit more than that. So when you you know when you when you really look at that, forty percent. So forty people out of a hundred, or forty jobs out of a hundred jobs, will be not done by people. And you have to think, what will those people do? And I can honestly say here in the United States that there are a plethora of jobs that are available for people. What is not in in high supply is the people with these skills and abilities and ultimately habits to be able to take those jobs and really be successful. So the idea, the, the, the real problem is it's not the lack of jobs. It's the lack of of uh, schools that 
can teach those skills and learners that have those skills and are learning those skills to take those jobs in the time that's needed. And that is the problem. So I wonder what the solution is for that. It's just a million dollar question right now. It really is. Okay. So just, I feel that we've spoken a lot about the, the problems of the education system. Uh, we don't want to like, I guess we do need to fear monger a little bit, but it's also, what's the point in highlighting problems without then suggesting solutions? Well, I, I think we've, we've touched on a few solutions, obviously, because of who we are. We just haven't explicitly stated them. So I mm-hmm. think one solution is connecting to the why within a student and making what you're learning relevant to their why. And that's a very hard thing to do, but I think that is the, the very beginning. So in my story, like I said, until I figured out that I wanted to open up my own barbershop, I, I was not really connecting to, to what I was learning. I was able to regurgitate it on a test and, and memorize it and, and past tests, but I didn't internally take it in. So connecting the why with the information and making it real and making it practical. I think that's number one. Number two is focusing on skills, but also, and more importantly, habits. So skills, you can learn a skill, but ultimately if AI or robots can can take over that skill, that skill is going to be meaningless, right? But the one thing that is always going to be transferable is your habits. And in our organization, what we call success habits. So a success habit, as an example, is um, striving for accuracy. And what that means is, can you are you triple-checking your work before you turn it into your teacher or your boss? Right? Are you really looking at it and, and taking the time to 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 double check it, triple check it to make sure it does not have any errors? And are you getting feedback from other people to make sure it's accurate? Like that habit is something that will make you stand out regardless of where you are at, what you're doing, and who you are around. And I think that is a major job of education today is really teaching those habits and ensuring that learners can approach situations that we have no idea will exist, but they Mm. approach those situations with those habits and those habits will support them in being successful in those situations. Yeah, I get it. We, we need to, yeah, I, I think that's where, you know, we're obviously big advocates of project-based learning or PBL as, as the acronym goes. And I think that goes such a long way in terms of allowing students to start thinking about problems, solving problems uh, with ideas outside of the box. You know, a lot of the traditional school schooling method, and this is not a dig at teachers by any means. I know there's a lot of good teachers out there and they have their hands tied by curriculums and uh, finances from the school and the board and everything else. Um, but I do think like sometimes students are spoon fed an awful lot of information. It's just like, read this, write this down, remember this, 
passed a test. Whereas with project-based learning, they have to come up with a solution. You know, they work solely on solving a problem or finding a solution. And it's that sort of critical thinking ability, that ability to look at a problem, break it down and fix it, which is going to serve students so much better for the unknown right now. You know, I would feel so much better about students' ability to adapt to the future and, and the unknowingness of it if more of them were involved with project-based learning. I wholeheartedly agree. And that's a great ending to our podcast today. I hope families and, and parents, learners, I hope everyone has, has really had an opportunity to think through what we've said. And it's not like we have all the answers, but we are definitely willing to go through and experiment and really evaluate the answers that come up for us and that are given to us by or through feedback. So, David, I definitely want to thank you. And uh, this is our first podcast. I hope our second one is even better. So with that being said, we are from 24-7 Teach. Our website is 247teach.org. Our mission is to make education relevant, accessible, and equitable for all. And that's what we're here to do. And that's what we will do. All right. So thank you for your time. And... Have a great day and great week, everyone. Take care. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time.